Prepare to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Welcome to Adventure in History. <laughs> it's our new opening. Happy New, new Year, Year, everyone. It's January 1st. The first big show of 2023. It's exciting. And if you're listening to a podcast, it's January. <laughs> Start writing 2023. I mean, you know we're going to make some mistakes. See, I, I like 2022 kind of rolled. It did. I, I Maybe I'll get used to 2023. Well, you will. You'll have 12 months. I'll get used to it in about 11 months. <laughs> you will. I know. <laughs> it doesn't roll off the tongue. Though. It doesn't. I know. See, 2024 will. <laughs> and even 2025, because it's not just an even right. odd thing. Because it's a quarter. Yeah. But, I don't okay. know. It's just something awkward about 2023. Well, it's exciting, right? It's New Year. We it had is. Christmas. We had a week we, after Christmas. So we didn't really talk because we, we broadcast on Christmas. We did. And we had, had lovely guests. We had special guests. My daughter, so. Carly, who's also here today. <laughs> so how was your Christmas? It was wonderful. Santa came. He did. Yes. Um, brought all the good gifts. Excellent. What were your favorite gifts? Um, a guitar <gasps> and um, a hoverboard and a um, a doll. Oh, a jump. Uh, I don't know something. A pogo ball. Pogo uh, ball. Now you're not going to try and play the guitar while you're on the hoverboard, are you? I tried once. And oh I did no! It. She you're, actually you're kind of an adventurer. She served me coffee from the hoverboard. <laughs> It wasn't hot coffee, everyone, so don't worry. Mom and Dad, I know you're listening. But still, I was just like, oh, my goodness. She's a little bit of a daredevil. She is. <laughs> I tried it, too. You know, like all those videos that are out there, Instagram mm-hmm. videos of the moms on the hoverboard. But I did it in my living room with a helmet on. <laughs> I probably was in a robe. And how did I do, Carly? Um, you just almost did it really slow. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't move. That's what parents always do. They just, they do everything just a little slow yeah. compared, compared to kids. How was your holiday yeah. though? Oh, it was terrible. This fat guy broke into our house. Oh my gosh. I tell that joke every year. It's, <laughs> it's a terrible joke. It only makes me laugh. Yeah. It was, it was wonderful. Good. Good. It was, it was splendid. And now, yeah, we're into a new year. I like the new year. It always feels just fresh, like a new start, even though it's gray and... Well, and that's a great lead-in for, for we're going to have a guest yeah, next week. We are. He's very inspirational. He is intentional. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm about intentions like that word. versus resolutions. Resolutions can be broken. That's a good but one. But you don't break intentions, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was, an, okay. it was an intention. So you don't have oh, to do it. Oh, my goodness. And, and also, we had this past week, like, ice storm. Awful. And yes. No power. And no power. We lost power twice, two different days for like a 12 hours each day. Yep. We were 17 hours on one day. Oh my goodness. Yes. I counted every single hour. <laughs> now my kids did great. We didn't even turn on the TV afterwards. Tons of board games. So that's fine. I turned on the TV during the power outage and I got nothing. <laughs> there you go. All right. Shall we get right to it? Let's do it. we got some fun stuff. Okay. And, and we've got like in an emergency, like break glass if needed, we have cuteness beyond Beyond belief, we if, we, if we need it. Yes. So <laughs> she's standing by with, with the headphones on and ready to go if, if we need her. So uh, January 2nd, 1776, Congress publishes the Tory Act. Hmm. 
which uh, describes how colonies should handle those Americans who remain loyal to the British and King George. Ooh, and how should they? Because, you know, people didn't always get on board with, with, hey, we should be a separate country right Right. away. So the act called on colonial committees to indoctrinate those, quote, honest and well-meaning, but uninformed people. I kind of love that phrase. Yes. Uh, By enlightening them as to, quote, the origin, nature, and extent of the present controversy. The Congress remained fully persuaded that the more our right to the enjoyment of our ancient liberties and privileges is examined, the more just and necessary our present opposition to ministerial tyranny will appear. However, those unworthy Americans who had taken part with our oppressors with the aim of gathering ignominious rewards were left to the relevant bodies, some ominously named councils of safety, to decide their fate. Congress merely offered its opinion that dedicated Tories ought to be disarmed and the more dangerous among them either kept in safe custody Mm. or bound with sufficient sureties to their good behavior. The uh, lengths Congress and lesser colonial bodies would go to in order to repress loyalists took a darker tone later in the act, listing examples of the execrable barbarity with which this unhappy war has been conducted on the part of our enemies. Congress vowed to act whenever retaliation may be necessary, although it might prove a disagreeable task. Hmm. Now, the key word there, other than all those lovely adjectives... Indoctrinate. Indoctrinate, yes. <laughs> At the very beginning, folks. <laughs> and I, I don't think a lot of you know, the people that don't study history, I think we kind of lose sight that we think, oh, Britain was doing these things we didn't like, and we all decided, nope, we don't want to be part of it. No, we had to indoctrinate people. <laughs> we sure did. And and probably, you know, I probably didn't even really realize as much except for being involved with Ethan Allen way back, and there was a lot of that <laughs> in, Verm- <laughs> in Vermont and, and the uh, that area. And in fact, a whole bunch of people um, went to, to Canada to stay Britain. Oh, interesting. Stay British. Yeah, we, oh. we forget about that. Uh, 1788, Georgia enters the Union. Welcome to the party, Georgia. <laughs> I've indoctrinated you. <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> um, like Pavlov and his dog. Um, 1903, U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt shuts down the post office in Indianola, Mississippi, for refusing to accept the appointment of the postmistress because she was black. Oh. <gasps> Ooh. I love this on a number of levels. Yeah. 1903. Right. That it's TR, because I do love Teddy. And no, I'm sorry. We're uh, we're appointing a black woman, and you yes. you should accept it. Wow. Well, so good. You, got, you got no post office. Early. Interesting. Yeah. 1906, Willis Carrier uh, receives a U.S. patent for the world's first air conditioner. Oh. oh, thank you, Mr. Carrier. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when I lived in the Deep South, I would have died without my air conditioner. Oh, my goodness, yes. Uh, there's a reason I live here. 1910, the first junior high schools in the U.S. opens in Berkeley, California. Mm. I've said it before. Nothing worse than 8th and ninth graders. That, 7th, 8th, and ninth graders, that's why we put them in separate schools. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for those of you that teach that, it's uh, pretty amazing. Yes. Uh, that age. 1923, Albert Fall, the Secretary of the U.S. Department of the Interior, resigns in response to public outrage over the Teapot Dome scandal. No. That was a good, good Which, call. Which, you know, back in the day where people actually resigned when scandals happened. No. Uh, 1974, President Nixon signs the national speed limit into law. I liked that one. And Sammy Hagar didn't like that because he can't drive 55. I know. So I didn't know that. But because I thought, so have we increased the federal speed limit? That's what I should have yes. looked up. We uh, have. I, I don't I don't know if we have increased the 
Because it or if it, we just wave that states could make their own decision. Again, we went. So it was 40 yeah. to 80 miles an hour across the country. Mm-hmm. Nixon decreased federally. So the maximum was 55. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we know that's gone up, but mm-hmm. I wonder if it's, yeah. And you know why? Why? It wasn't just safety. Oh, yeah. It was environment. Right. People forget that Richard Nixon right. was a huge environment guy. He created the EPA. And, and lowering the speed limit was, was safety, but it was also going to help in gas mileage. Right. More fuel efficient. Yep. But our history highlight of the day, I think I think had the most impact, 1893, the World's Columbian Exposition opens in Chicago. It's, it's a World's Fair, basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's in Chicago, but uh, there's so many firsts that happen there. Uh, it's the first cream of wheat. Oh. The first, uh, perhaps, brownie. Oh, okay. Uh, Milton Hershey bought uh, a European exhibitor's chocolate manufacturing equipment and added chocolate products to his caramel manufacturing business. Yum. Juicy fruit gum. Perfect. Uh, Quaker oats, shredded wheat, Pap's Blue Ribbon. <laughs> PBR. Uh, peanut butter uh, makes a big debut. And Jemima pancake mix was wildly popularized by spokesperson. Uh, Nancy Green's pancake cooking and storytelling performances. She was an actress. Remember, she was hired to become that character. Cracker Jack's new recipe. Yum. Uh, Vienna sausages. (laughs) But the uh, biggest thing, the Ferris wheel. Oh, fun. Because they wanted to make it even bigger. And the previous Big World Fair, uh, the Eiffel Tower had been release so there's this this huge like competition and what are we going to make it's got to be something really big and dramatic and that's how the first first ferris wheel is created fun and there's a great book about it but i i was trying to decide whether i wanted to promote it or not it's the devil in white city uh by eric larson uh it was a pretty good historian even though he doesn't like footnote stuff but it's also about a serial killer (laughs) in chicago so so i don't want to recommend it if you're just interested in history but that that part of the book is really fascinating how huh. all the plotting and planning and funding and everything that goes into creating this whole exposition. Right. So. Well, those are good foods that so come out of it. That's my history highlight. Yeah, that's a good one. So much impact. Yes. Did at I first, at first, I was questioning that. That. <laughs> I knew you were. Yeah. No, no. You. I think you got it all. Sweet. Yeah. Well, well speaking of. Yeah. Things that happened. Yeah. Uh, 1893. So it's not a hundred years, but this has become kind of a tradition on the show. It has. That we start the year talking about all the things that we can celebrate this year. That turn 100. 100. So do you want to kick it off? Sure. We're going to start with 1923. King Tut burial chamber is opened. Ooh. Howard Carter's team finds the step of hmm, Tutankhamun's tomb. Tutankhamun. I don't know how you say it. Tutankhamun. That's Someone's, why we say King Tut. King Tut's tomb on November 4th, 1922, of course. Uh, um, and Carter digs into the top left corner of the doorway of the tomb on November 26th, 1922. He can see many treasures are still there. After cataloging the antechamber, Carter opens the sealed doorway of his burial chamber on February 16th, 29, 20, 20, 2023, 2023, it's a typo. <laughs> Sorry. and sees the sarcophagus. We're not off to a good start. To I know the you, year you gave me a, a rough one there, but, but I, cold read. I'm, you know, I've never been an archeologist, right? Because I don't want to spend like time in a dusty desert eating beans every night, <laughs> living, in a, <laughs> living in a tent, but it's fascinating how long that takes. Oh my goodness. That they find the steps on November 4th. Yeah. 
they start digging in November 26th, and it's not till February 16th that they actually open the tomb door. Yeah. That's how much stuff they find before that. Yeah. So uh, also in 20, or, uh, 2023, we're celebrating 100 years, yep. 1923, Warner Brothers is established. The Warner Brothers established their film studio company during April. The brothers, Albert, Samuel, and Jack, so and Harry, so there actually were. Warner Brothers, okay. number four, yeah. had previously worked together after founding the Duquesnay Amusement and Supply Company in Pittsburgh in 1904. By the 1910s, they had transitioned to film production and distribution. With a loan from banker Molly Flint, Motley Flint, the studio was purchased uh, on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, California, and formally incorporated as Warner Brothers Pictures Incorporated. And of course, Warner Brothers is the owner of the Goonies. Still going. Nice. Okay. And the first issue of Time Magazine. Uh, the very first issue of the magazine was published during March. The magazine was developed by journalists Henry Luce and Britton Haddon and was the first news magazine published every week in the United States. The first issue featured former U.S. Speaker of the House, Joseph G. Cannon, on the cover and contained a variety of short articles related to different topics. Over the years, it gained, gained a large circulation and became one of the most influential and popular news periodicals during the 20th century. The autogyro, mm. and perhaps we know this better as the precursor to the helicopter. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't want to get into an autogyro. No. Helicopter I'm okay with. <laughs> uh, but the predecessor of, to the helicopter takes its first flight in 1923. The first successful flight of an autogyro, the predecessor to a helicopter, takes place. Spanish inventor Juan de la Cierva, Cierva conducts the first successful flight of his invention. The autogyro in January. Uh, it was a rotary wing aircraft that became the predecessor to the helicopter. Sierve previously made several versions of his autogyro that had not been successful. Hmm. I kind of want to know what that means. <laughs> yeah. How high did he get? Did he crash? But the design, he figured out the correct balance and the aircraft flew in a controlled and safe manner. Yeah. Good for him. Good. Okay. Couple here. Uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame starring Lon Chaney is released. Ooh. Women's one-piece swimming suits begin to be worn. I meant to do more research on that. Right. Because they were two pieces prior. Like, See, I'd like to know the definition because they were like swimming dresses. Right. So I don't quite know But they must have why okay. they say one-piece swimming suits. One piece. It might be more form-fitting. Sure. Okay. The Ten Commandments. Uh, the movie is directed by Cecil B. DeMille. Which we have such a love-hate relationship with. Mostly hate. Right. <laughs> um, Mount Etna volcano erupts in Sicily, June 19th, 1923. 60, made uh, made 60,000 people homeless. Wow. So I like this one. The balloon tires are introduced April 5th by the Firestone Tire and Rubber Company. They begin production of balloon tires. Yeah. Help us get around. Yeah. Uh, insulin becomes generally available for people or for use by people with diabetes. That's on April 15th. Checker Taxi is put into taxi cab uh, named Taxi on the Streets, June 18th. Your checker cabs. Yeah. I always wanted one as a high school kid. I wanted like an old checker cab to drive around in. <laughs> did you? I did. I thought it'd be funny. Um, the Hollywood sign is officially dedicated July 13th in the hills above Hollywood, Los Angeles. It orig originally read... Hollywood land, but the four last letters are dropped after renovations in 1949. I like that. I don't like Hollywood land. I know. It, it sounds more wrong. like Disneyland or something. It, maybe that's the problem with it. Yeah, I don't know. Speaking of Disney. Here we go. The Walt Disney Company is founded by Walt Disney and his brother, 
Why do we never remember his brother? I don't know. Roy O. Disney, or sometimes just Roy Disney, on October 16th. Good for them. I wonder if they're doing something huge. I'm not like a Disney guy, but oh, you right. got to imagine that they're doing something giant. For the 100th birthday, yeah. It's founded. Founded, And yeah. it's the company. The company. Walt Disney not, Company. Not Disney World or Disneyland. Right. So. But you still got to believe they're doing something. Oh, I'm sure. So you're not old enough. to. You, I remember like Disney, um, Disney Presents or something every Sunday night oh. on TV. I don't remember. Uh, Q-tips. After Leo Gerstenzang saw his wife adding cotton to toothpicks, he created cotton swabs and founded the Q-tip company. Their original name was Baby Gaze, but Gerstenzang changed the name to Q-tips, and the Q stands for Quality. Quality. I bet that was his wife's idea, too. Probably. She was like, baby gays. <laughs> Nobody knows what it is. I know. <laughs> but but now we don't like using them for ears, right? I know. Don't don't all the medical professions say, that's yeah, hideous. Gotta be careful. Yeah. But we still use them as like swabs and stuff. So right. they're still useful. They are. And, and don't people use them for like makeup stuff as well? Oh, that's true. Okay. Um, the bulldozer is invented Ooh. Uh, by James Cunning and Earl McLeod. The heavy-duty machines we use in construction sites, mines, farmlands, and quarries have been uh, existing before the Second World War began. Before 1920, a few tractor designs emerged and were used on extensive farms. Uh, James Cunning and Earl McLeod from Kansas City invented the first bulldozer. It was made of a large pushing blade attached to a tractor with controls. Their first design was aided by a farmland tractor. It was a heavy-duty machine that moved on chain treads. They needed a powerful machine to help the front blades move heavy materials. Thus, the only option was the tractor. Nowadays, you'll find bulldozers and tractors with rubber wheels, but the ones with chain treads still exist. It is believed that the chain treads of a tractor help spread the weight of the machine to move on rough ground. Before the invention of the bulldozer, the blades were pulled by horses and mules. Those poor horses and mules. (laughs) They received a patent for the invention of the bulldozer in 1925, but uh, they were already out there before that. Good. Uh, frozen foods. Who would have thought? Invented by Clarence Birdseye. The invention of frozen foods is seen as one of the best things that, uh, till date. Uh, Clarence Birdseye made it possible for us to store sea and canned foods for lengthy days without getting spoiled or losing taste and nutritional value. He invented frozen foods out of curiosity about avoiding food wastage and keeping fresh foods for a long period of time. He was once a worker in the Arctic in Canada and mingled with the Inuit. Um, he observed how they preserved their foods in barrels of seawater, and they froze in quick time because of the frigid water. When the Inuit would later need the food, they always appeared and tasted fresher than the ones sold in their native land. He concluded the process of rapid freezing helped cut the foods in extremely low temperatures so they can retain their freshness. After he returned to the U.S., the practice of freezing foods at higher temperatures still continued, and he started looking for best ways to preserve them at lower temperatures. In 1923, with an investment of $7 (laughs) for an electric fan, buckets of brine, and cakes of ice, Clarence invented and later perfected a system of packing fresh food into wax cardboard boxes and flash freezing under high pressure. The Goldman Sachs Trading Corporation and the Postum Company, later General Foods Corporation, bought his patents and trademarks in 1929 for $22 million in 1929. 1929. Oh, my goodness. The first quick frozen vegetables, fruits, seafoods, and meat. Okay, so you have been in this industry of canning fish. 
So I'm kind of fascinated by if we freeze it slowly, it loses the taste when you thaw it and cook it. But this this thing that he invented that he steals from from native Native Alaskans, yeah. uh, that, yes, that if you freeze it fast, it tastes better. It's usually how you have sushi. So you usually the sushi that you eat at restaurants or stores is flash frozen. Mm-hmm. So when they call it fresh sushi, it has been frozen. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that the fr- freezing does is it can kill things that are on it that are bad, you know, right. So anything that uh, you don't want to eat, mm-hmm. um, would die so, in that so process. So in, in, in skipping on brand, yep. your family brand, <laughs> um, did you guys freeze it all or cause you were canning, so it wasn't frozen. We didn't. So it, we used the, the heat method for preserving. Mm-hmm. So we used, it was a boiler okay. for preserving, um, the canned products. And of course we did freeze fish too, but we did not use that flash frozen mm-hmm. method. So when the ships brought it to you, had they been out catching and they put it on ice? It's on ice. Okay. Yep. But it's not, well, is it frozen when it's no, on ice? No, it's, not, it's fresh. It's so when we sold fresh seafood, it was fresh. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking within a couple days. Mm-hmm. So, yep. And then, or, or we would uh, fillet it and then can it right okay. away. Right. So when you say the hot method, does that mean it's already pre-cooked? Nope. Okay. Nope. So it goes in the can raw and mm-hmm. then goes in, it gets canned and then mm-hmm. is in a boiler. Fascinating. Yes. We no longer That's own that equipment. <gasps> I didn't realize that. No. It's, okay. It's out in the world. I'll be darned. Okay. Yes. And you can still well, buy. Makes me sad. Yeah. Local canned tuna at Bell Buoy. Okay. Yep. So the last one, the last locally owned wow. cannery that cans their own. Okay. So the, uh, the instant camera. Oh, that's a good 1923, one. 1923, we're talking. 100 years now. Invented by Samuel Schlafrock. <laughs> that's a very <laughs> unfortunate name. An instant camera is capable of generating a developed film image. It consists of a camera and portable darkroom in the same compartment. Edwin Land invented the first commercial instant camera in 1948, but it is reported that the first instant camera was developed by Samuel Schlafrock in 1923. So 16 he years ago. He just couldn't make it go. 16 years ago when Mark and I got married, uh-huh. we didn't have iPhones. Can mm-hmm. you believe that? I can. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had instant cameras all over our reception. And there was one child at the wedding mm-hmm. who truly went around to all of those cameras and wasted all the film. <gasps> oh, no. So, you know, and we, nobody at the tables policed it? Weeks and... later when I got the the thing. Because, I mean, and at the time, mm-hmm. too, those cost a lot of money. They weren't cheap. No. It wasn't like they, I mean, I want to say they were like. Pay to get and then you had to pay to get, yes, I was not happy. Wow. We did that at our wedding and, and it was fabulous. I know. Did you allow children at your wedding? We did. Oh. I had my daughter, Rachel, there. Oh, yes. And her cousin. Oh, two. Yeah. We had quite a few children <laughs> at our wedding. We would have allowed. <laughs> and and all nobody. of them were, were <laughs> fabulous. And it was, I, I mean, I, I did adore having kids there because they do add a, something fun to it, yes. right? They dance on the dance floor. Yeah. Well, we'll see that that made everybody tear up because Rachel is is not my biological daughter, but yeah. but I've raised her. Mm-hmm. But she was, um, gosh, she was. When did we actually get married? So she was she was like six, Aww. maybe five when we got married, and we had her in the ceremony, not just like the little petal rose right. petal girl. But uh, my uncle was a pastor, and he did the ceremony. We did it in an old Victorian house, and after Renee and I. It, exchanged our vows my uncle says but it's not just the wedding of a man and a woman we're also creating a new family 
So I asked Rachel if she wanted to join our family, and I gave her a necklace, and uh, it made everybody ball I, tears. Was, I mean, that's a sweet age too, right? To yes. be included. Yes. So, oh, so, good for you, so Mac. Yeah, so we had the rings, and then we had the necklace that I gave gave yeah. to Rachel. Does she still have it? She does. She wears it every day. She's never taken it up. No, she's got it somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> okay, so the A.C. Gilbert Company chemistry sets. When A.C. Gilbert Company introduced its chemistry sets for kids in 1923, it came complete with cyanide and explosives. <laughs> Fast forward to the 1960s when the Hazardous Substances Labeling Act of 1960 helped make the kits a tad safer. By 1967, A.C. Gilbert Company had hmm, ceased operations. <laughs> so I'm, I'm having buyer's remorse <laughs> because my father was a biochemist and he passed away a, a year and a half ago. And he credits, he was given a one of these A.C. Gilbert Company chemists resets oh. as a kid. And his actual last like lecture that he ever gave that he peddled for a little while was um, 70 years of fun with chemistry. And he actually went out and bought one of these original kits that he found because it was what he had. And I don't know if what was still in it and what was not in it. And it was in our house. And I thought, I don't want to take another thing when we were clearing out the house after he passed away and my mother was going to move. So he had this original thing, but he just, he bought it like two years beforehand. So oh. I was like, I don't want to take something else. Oh my and goodness. I, and now I, I kind of regret that I should have taken it, even because though it wasn't wa- his. You he want cyanide and explosives in well, your home? Yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he talks about blowing stuff up as a kid. Oh my goodness. Like there was an unfortunate incident in his bedroom, and then because they lived um, on the St. Lawrence Seaway, he he made bombs that he'd like throw <gasps> in the water. <laughs> so he was like a little mischievous chemist. So he bought it two years prior, but it was one of these original ones. Yeah, Do it, you was, know- it was an original one. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Interesting. Well, this was a good one. Uh, In 1923, the H.B. Reese Candy Company was established in the basement of Reese's home in Hershey, Pennsylvania. The official product name was Penny Cups because they could be purchased for one cent. Reese had originally worked at a Hershey dairy farm, and from the start, he used Hershey chocolates in his confections. Reese's peanut butter cups were his most popular candy, and Reese's eventually discontinued his other lines. H.B. Reese died in May... On May 16, 1956, in West Palm Beach, Florida, passing the company to his six sons, Robert, John, Ed, Ralph, Harry, and Charles Richard Reese. <laughs> on July 2, 1963, the Reese brothers merged the H.B. Reese Candy Company with the Hershey Chocolate Corporation in a tax-free stock-for-stock merger. In 2022, after 59 years of stock splits, the Reese's Brothers' original 666,316 shares of Hershey Common Stock represented 16 million Hershey shares valued at over $3.6 billion that paid annual cash dividends of $66.3 million. In 1969, only six years after the Reese-Hershey merger, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups became the Hershey Company's top seller you got chocolate in my peanut butter you got peanut butter in my chocolate it is the best candy well that answers that i was gonna ask if you were oh my goodness and do you like reese's peanut butter cups uh a little yeah i I don't i like peanut butter but i like and i like chocolate i just don't like them together what is your favorite candy twix Ooh, twix left or right they're the same, aren't they? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, Mac. <laughs> so the other one that was created Ooh. in 1923, Butterfinger. Also a favorite. This candy was invented in 1923 by Mr. Otto Schnering. I like that name. He was the founder of the Curtis Candy Company, which was located near Chicago, Illinois. 
The company held a candy naming contest for the new candy, and Butterfinger was the winning result of the campaign. <laughs> As part of the marketing campaign for this new candy, Butterfinger bars and Baby Ruth bars uh, candy were dropped from airplanes in cities that had been selected before the campaign. This was done all over the U.S., and it really helped launch Butterfinger into the public eye, as you can imagine. <laughs> Butterfinger also got connected with Shirley Temple in 1934 due to her film Baby Take a Bow. Isn't that pretty amazing? Yeah. And of course, then later, I mean, it starts with Shirley Temple, but then Bart Simpson. Oh, funny. Talks about Butterfinger. So it's like quite the marketing thing. I love it. And it's not a very good candy bar. Oh, I like Butterfingers too. Do you really? Yeah. (laughs) So that's our first big show for New Year's. Yeah. We have nowhere to go but up. (laughs) We do. And really, I'm, I'm excited for our guest next week when we talk about, you know, just looking forward to 2023. Let's do it. Let's have a good year, Mac. Absolutely. And Carl, can you can you say Happy New Year? Happy New Year, everyone. And go make some history. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for an adventure in history. An adventure in history is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.